Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you would like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do so online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God. Right. Well, again, welcome. So glad you're here today. We're going to be wrapping up our Blessed Life series. We've been in the past six weeks and just want to encourage you, if you've missed any of these messages, please go back and watch those. They're on the app, uh, on our website. You can uh, download the podcast, whatever's easiest, convenient for you. But I believe every message in the series obviously works together and uh, are the keys for us to really experience the blessed life that we've been talking about these last few weeks. Also want to welcome those of you who join us online today. Thanks for joining wherever you are. Appreciate you tuning in. Well, we've talked through the series, the key to the blessed life is a generous life. Jesus said in Acts 20.35, or Jesus was quoted, uh, rather, that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive, right? And we've heard that probably our whole lives, but when it comes to being blessed, to living the blessed life, the key to that is living a generous life. And throughout the series, we've been just trying to, to get this message across, that it's not about what God's trying to get from you. It really is what he's trying to get for you. And applying these truths to our lives really is how we step into the blessed life that God has for us. So today, as we wrap it up, I want to talk to you, and I've creatively and spent all kinds of time coming up with this title of my message. It's called Sowing and Reaping. Are you impressed today? Uh, I didn't have the time to come up with anything different. How about we say this? Planting and harvesting, okay? There we go. It's creative now. So I don't know about your kids, but my kids never like to take the blame for anything, right? If I were to ask you a question, when something doesn't go right, how many of you like, I'm not saying don't do this, but how many of you like enjoy taking the blame for something? No one does. Oh, that's funny. I don't either, right? And in fact, if you were to ask my wife, I am not the best at handling blame, right? Like when something goes wrong, it's got to be someone's fault. And it's surely not mine. And so I try to find who, who, who can I blame for where I'm at. And, and as a leader, you know, I listen to these leadership podcasts and they go, you know, the first, you know, quality of a great leader is that they take ownership when things go wrong, even when it's not their fault. And I'm like, man, I need to work at that, you know. Uh, and, and, and I do because, right, everything rises and falls on the leader. And ultimately, when you're the head of the organization, if it doesn't go well, then it's, it's, it's my fault. But... But when it comes to life, no one likes taking responsibility for things when they go wrong. And we usually like to pass blame on others. It's it's that way with my kids, right? When they do something wrong, they immediately want to blame the other person. Well, why did you hit your brother? Because he hit me first. Because he did this, I did this. Because they did this, this is why I responded the way I am. And that's really how it goes in life. Like when things happen to us, we generally like to think we're good people and we don't do things with wrong motives. And so if we act in a way that's not the way that we should, we like to blame someone else for our actions. No one likes to take responsibility. It starts as kids, we constantly blame each other. It continues on as adults. And this has been happening since the very beginning of time. Look with me at Genesis 3. It'll be on the screens. You can follow along with the Adventure Church app in the notes section as well. Uh, but this is what happened. We know the story of Adam and Eve, right? God created perfection. He placed them in the garden. He said, all of this is yours to enjoy. Uh, they were naked and not ashamed. How many would you like to save on your clothes budget not to buy clothing and not even know you were naked, right? Mace, a few amens and claps to that. Uh, and so, so, I mean, imagine, right? It's perfection. 
And he says, here's the deal, though. You can't mess with that one tree. That, that's for me to, to know and you not, so just stay away from it. And they were human and sinful people. And if they didn't eat from that tree, you and I would have. They made a mistake. And so we know what happens. Eve is deceived by the serpent, the enemy, convinced her to eat it. She then takes it to Adam. He eats it. And this is where we pick up the story in chapter 3, verse 10. God is looking for them, and, and they're hiding. He said, I heard you walking, and Adam replied to God, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? The Lord God said. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Then the man replied, it was the woman. Oh, it wasn't me. It was the woman, right? The woman did this, right? And then this is what's funny. Not only does he blame Eve, he actually blames God too. He says, the woman you gave me, gave me the fruit. I didn't ask for her. In fact, I liked my other rib and I was hoping to keep it, but you took my rib, made her, and now look what she's done, right? God goes, all right, Adam, I'll move on to Eve then. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? She said, the serpent did this. I didn't do this. This wasn't my fault. That's why I did it. Adam didn't want to take responsibilities for the action, for his actions. Eve didn't want to take responsibility for their action. They blamed the serpent. The serpent goes, cool, I'll take credit. Pretty good plan, right? Like, gotcha, right? Suckers, you know, I don't know what he said, but that's what happened. But immediately from the very beginning of time, blame. Not my fault, your fault. And I'm telling you today, as we talk about this principle of sowing and reaping, the thing that you have to understand is this. If you really want to live the blessed life, you have to take responsibility for your life. You have to own up to where you are. Listen, you are where you are because of you. Ah. You know, I I don't like that because sometimes I find myself places I don't want to be. But I am where I am because of me. You have what you have because of you. Maybe you have what you don't want to have or you don't have what you want to have and it's, it's because of you. No one else. And now look, I'm not trying to minimize some of the things that you've gone through, that maybe you've been through some difficult situations and maybe you have suffered consequences because of the poor choices of others. And I understand that. You can't control everything that happens to you. However, you do get to control how you respond to it. And there's plenty of success stories in the world of people who had nothing, who were given every possible bad hand that they could get had terrible parents, terrible education, that somehow figured out a way to respond to adversity and to achieve the success that they desired. You see, the key to the blessed life is taking responsibility for your life. And we can break the chain of negative consequences, yours and others, starting immediately. That you can change what you're reaping by changing what you're sowing. There's a natural law of sowing and reaping. You can't beat this law. There's no way to work around it. There's no way to ignore it. And if you do ignore it, it will harm you. And if you apply the simple truths of today's message, it will bless you. In Genesis 8, 22, it says, as long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvesting. As long as the earth is in existence, before Jesus comes back, eventually destroys the world and creates a new one, as long as that's going on, there's going to be planting and harvesting. There's going to be cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. You can't avoid it. What Paul says and what we're going to see is very simple today. You will reap what you sow. 
I know it's profound, isn't it? And I spent so much time this week coming up with some of these statements today. It is so basic and so fundamental, but yet many people ignore this simple truth. In Galatians 6, 7 through 12, this is what Paul says. He says, don't be deceived. Don't pretend like you don't know. Here's the truth. God cannot be mocked. God is not a man, unless it's that God is not a man that he could be mocked, that, that you, could, you could outsmart him, that you could somehow avoid his laws and his principles. It, it just doesn't work that way. He says, so you can't outsmart God. You can't trick him. It's this simple. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will, not maybe, will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap Eternal life. It goes on and says, so don't become weary. Doing good. Keep sowing. Keep doing the right things because at the right time, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up and quit. Therefore, as we have opportunity, sow good things. Do good things to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. This principle is so simple, yet many of us tend to ignore this truth. I hear it all the time. I want more from my relationship. My spouse isn't living up to their end of the bargain. And listen, Kyle, I get it, but I'm not gonna show them any kind of love. I'm not gonna reward their bad behavior. I would be enabling them. That's not biblical, right? Right? We we say these things to ourselves. Until they start loving me the way that I deserve to be loved, I'm not loving them. And God goes, well, wait a second. That's not how this works. With your spouse, with your kids, with your your business, you reap what you sow. It will either work for you or against you. You cannot sow irresponsibility and reap success. You cannot sow laziness and reap reward. You cannot sow stinginess and reap a blessing. It, It just can't work that way. You can't avoid this truth. Jesus said it this way. Luke 6, 37 through 38, do not judge and you won't be judged. Do not condemn and you won't be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You reap what you sow. So if you don't like what you're reaping, you change what you're sowing. And you cannot reap until you sow. You have to do that first. Jesus says, whatever you give out is what you're gonna get in return. Whatever I plant is what I'm going to reap. One of my, my wife, we had a conversation just the other day and it was like, she was like, I'm kind of concerned you don't have any hobbies. And I was like, well, we have kids, right? <laughs> they are my hobby. Right? Any free time I have, they consume it. Right? But I used to golf and things, and then I had kids, and I quit golfing. I can't afford to golf anyway, and I'm not good at it, so I don't enjoy it. So I, I don't golf anymore. And she's like, well, what do you do? I was like, I watch football. <laughs> All right? that's a, she's like, that's not real productive. Like, what do you do? Like, what's a hobby for you? And I was like, well, as I began to think about it, I was like, the yard. My lawn is my hobby. I love my yard. I love making my yard look good while I pay someone else, and they make it look good. And I told her the other day, she was like, I think we pay too much to get our lawn treated. I go, well, I could be golfing, and it costs more, so I'll just keep treating my yard. And I like to 
mow my grass. I, I got a zero turn mower and I put in my headphones and I don't have to deal with anything and my kids will fall in the driveway while I'm mowing the grass and I just act like it doesn't happen. <laughs> I can't hear you. They'll be like, dad. I'm like, you're fine. Get up. You know, like it's just what I do. I love being in there. I love when it looks good. I love that there's at least one thing in my life. So much of what I do is planning and working towards the future that there's one thing that I can have instant gratification. And Jess will make fun of me. I stare out the window at the yard after I mow it. I'm like, hey, look, do you see how green it is right now? She's like, ugh. It's my hobby. It's what I do. But this fall, it, it was kind of weird. This late in the summer, we have this dry spell where it was really hot and, and my yard died. I love my yard, but not enough to pay to water it, okay? I'm not that crazy. Uh, and so it, it began to die and one of it just died, died. Like it wasn't gonna come back. And so I had to remove the dead grass and plant new grass. And so I went to Menard's and uh, you guys know how my affection with Menards, I spent a little time just walking around, just kind of, uh, you know, decompressing a little bit. It's my, it's my safe zone. And I've, I've warned you, don't talk to me if you run into me at Menards. I'm there for a purpose and it's not to talk to you, okay? Uh, that's, where I, that's where I can relax. I love Menards. I just go there when I'm stressed and I just chill. And so uh, I was at Menards and I bought some pepper seed and I brought the pepper seed home and I planted the pepper seeds where I wanted my grass to grow. And I was so excited, I started watering it. And I was kept watering it, and there was no grass growing. And you're looking at me. I am being sarcastic. I'm not dumb, okay? Uh, but we do this, right? I didn't plant pepper seeds. If I want grass to grow, what do I plant? Grass, grass seed. I planted grass seed. And thankfully, because of all the rain we recently had, I told Jess yesterday after I mowed the yard and had it looking really good, I was like, babe, the new grass is growing in. It looks really good. And she again rolled her eyes and said, I don't care about the yard can you get the kids ready for bed? You know, that's, that's what I care about, you know. Uh, but, but no farmer, think about this, this law of sowing and reaping throughout scripture, it talks about farming. This was the way they live. This is how they produce food. This was how it worked. They still do it today. Whatever I plant is what I'm going to reap. If I plant corn, I'm going to get corn. I don't plant corn and expect peppers, You reap what you sow. You will always harvest what you plant. God cannot be mocked. This is his way. It's the way he created. It's the order in which our world functions, and it's the way it works, both positive and negative. Throughout all the scriptures, some negative things where we find. Job 4.8, from my experience, shows that those who plant trouble and cultivate evil will harvest the same. Proverbs 22.8, those who plant injustice will reap will harvest disaster. Hosea 10, 13, but you have planted wickedness, so you have reaped evil. Matthew 7, 2, Jesus again, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And I don't know about you, but that doesn't really encourage me because I don't always do the right things. I can judge people prematurely. I can hold on to and harbor unforgiveness. And Jesus himself is saying, how you do this, how you love others, how you judge others, the measure in which you use is what will come back to you. Positive ways, Hosea 10, 12, sow righteousness for yourselves, reap the fruit of unfailing love. James 33, 18, peacemakers who sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. So you reap what you sow. So today, I'm telling you, if you don't like what you're reaping, Maybe you need to change what you're sowing in any area of your life. If you want your marriage to be better, you begin to sow into your marriage. 
You begin to invest. You begin to love. You begin to do the things that you want done to you. If you want to see those people in your career and in your workplace begin to respect you, quit gossiping about them and start respecting them. Start honoring your boss. Start doing what God wants you to do, and you're going to see the fruit that you want to see. You're going to reap from others what you put into them. What you put into the ground is going to come up. So I think this makes us ask a question. One, what harvest are you reaping right now? Where are you at? What are you experiencing? What are you planting for your future? What are you planting now that you'll reap a harvest for later? And I know this is strong today, but if you don't like the crop that you're harvesting, the only one to blame is the one who planted it. A farmer never plants corn and expects anything else. And if he expects something else, he blames himself because I didn't plant the right thing. You always reap what you sow. No way around it. Second principle when it comes to the sowing and reaping. You reap after you sow. <laughs> right? It's sow then reap, not reap then sow. A farmer does not come to his field in the springtime, in the planting season, and go, man, I can't wait to see what's going to happen this fall. I can't wait to see the crop that's going to come in. He doesn't stare at his field and just, God, I'm believing for big things. God, I know God says, uh, yeah, because you're going to plant. You're going to plant it. And then you're going to reap whatever you plant. But in our lives, many times, we like to think that, well, I'll, I'll sow after I reap. As soon as they start loving me and treating me the way I need to be treated, then, then I will sow. Then I'll do what I'm supposed to do. And God goes, wait a second. It doesn't work that way. When it comes to our resources, as soon as I get that promotion, because the most people I talk to as we've been through this Blessed Life series, they want to be generous. I've really never met someone that goes, I really enjoy being stingy. I hate sharing. I've hated it ever since I was a kid. Just never grew out of it, man. So appreciate all the messages about it, you know, but uh, just going to hold on to my stuff. No, most people are like, I want to be generous. I want to do it, but they approach it with this mentality. And they'll say things like, as soon as God gives me that promotion, Kyle, at work, bro, I'm going to bless the church. You don't even know. It's going to be crazy. As soon as I get that raise, as soon as this deal closes, as soon as it closes, hey, big things coming for me, man. It's just, right, we approach it that way. And God goes, well, wait a second. You're not not planting, so why are you expecting to to harvest something? You never planted. You never invested in anything. So so how are you going to reap a return? If, if, If you have a need, I'm telling you, in any area of your life, This principle says if you have a need, you have to plant a seed. You have to. Wherever you have a need, you plant a seed. A seed is anything valuable that you can give away to someone else. Whether it's love, respect, encouragement, words, money, you invest, you plant into someone else. And God goes, when you do that, then and only then can you reap. Reaping always follows sowing. It doesn't work the other way around. And some of you, you've, you've been praying for God to do something, and God's waiting on you. He's waiting. 
I can't be mocked. I can't go against the way I designed this to work. If not, I wouldn't be true to my character, and then I wouldn't be God. And so he's waiting. You know, farmers, when they, when they plant, right, they never pray before they plant. That doesn't make any sense. They know they have to plant. Then after they plant, right, they pray. They do what they can do. I plant, and then I pray for God to send the rain. I can't control the weather, so a farmer will plant, and then they'll pray. God, I've done my part. You do your part. I've planted. Only you can send the rain. Only you can supply. Only you can do what I can't do. So God, I plant first before I pray. And some of you, I think God's waiting on you. You're praying for God to show up. You're praying for those things to happen in your relationship. You're praying for that thing to happen in your career and in your finances. And you're praying and you're believing. And God's going, you got to plant first. That's the way this works. Nothing will happen until the seed is planted. I can have all the seed I want. And if I just keep it for myself and I just hold on to it and I don't plant it, there's never going to be a harvest. And God is going, you, you have to plant. And you plant in faith. You always plant in faith. A farmer plants in faith. They bury the seed b- b- below the dirt and they can't see it. They don't know what's happening. They don't know the process that's happening. And so you plant in faith. You trust God. You can't go and dig it back up prematurely. You plant in faith and you trust God. If there's a barren area in your life today, this principle says you better start sowing. And you can change what you're reaping by changing what you're sowing. And you do it in faith. And you start now and you start where you are. And you can immediately begin to see changes in your life if you'll do that. So Paul says you will reap what you sow. You reap, you sow, then you reap. And then lastly, you will always reap more than you sow. You always reap more than you sow. In Mark 4, 8, Jesus was telling a parable. He said, seed fell on good soil. And when it came up, it grew. It produced a crop multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Paul, using the same metaphor of planting in 2 Corinthians 9, 10, says, for God is the one who provides the seed, and we've talked about that through the series, that God is your source. He's given you the seed, whatever you have. He's placed it in your hands. He's trusted you with it. You don't own it. You're a steward of it. You manage those resources, and we manage those not just for our sake, but for God's kingdom's sake. And he says, God is the one who's provided the seed for the farmer, Another translation says he's provided the seed for the sower, not the keeper. The sower, the one who will sow the seed, the one who will plant the seed, and he'll give you enough bread to eat. So he's saying God will give you what you need, then extra, so that you can plant extra. And he says in the same way, he will provide increase, provide and increase your resources, and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. God will supply and multiply what you plant. That encourages me today. Does it encourage you? Now, if you're planting good things, that's an encouragement. But if you're planting bad things, you're like, whoa, wait, wait a second. Of course, I want to reap more than I sow where I give and, you know, those things. But when I do the bad thing, I reap more than I sow too? Yeah. Jesus said, press down, shaking together and running over. Good or bad. Reaping and sowing. You reap more than you sow. Listen. In, in, in these scriptures, Paul was specifically, in 2 Corinthians 9, if you read the whole thing, he was talking about an offering that the church was collecting to send to other believers in Jerusalem. 
specifically about resources. And Paul's saying, listen, then when it comes to this, what you keep is all you have. You can keep the seed you have, but the only way seed multiplies is when it's planted. You have to plant it. And what you give to God, he will always multiply. Just as you reap what you sow, you will reap more than you sow. This is according to the principles of God's word. You don't just get back what you sow, you get back more than what you sow. Think about it when it comes to a farmer, right? If he has a a kernel of corn, he plants that one kernel, and that kernel can turn into a stalk, and that stalk produces two, maybe three ears of corn. Each ear of corn has roughly 400 kernels on it. So from one seed, Potentially, 800 to 1,200 seeds will be given back in return. That's a natural way the world works. Farming works. What you plant will multiply, and until it's planted, it can't be multiplied. Paul goes on in verse 6. He says, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds, he's only going to get a a small crop. That's just the way this works. But the one who plants generously, he's going to get a generous crop. Verse 8. And God will generously continue to provide all you need, and then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. And he explains the purpose of the multiplication. That God's not multiplying it for you, so you can just keep getting rich, 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 and plant more, 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 and get more, more, more. He says, no. God's always going to take care of you when you plant in faith. He's got you. He's got you. And when he multiplies, he multiplies so then that you can make an investment back into his kingdom. So that you can provide for others. And as long as you do that, as long as you have that heart, and and throughout this series, we don't give to get. We give because it's the right thing to do. It's because God wants us to be a part of his kingdom, to partner with him. And we do that in faith, and we trust God, and it builds our relationship, and it gives more of our heart to God. And when God gets more of our heart, he can change more of our lives and change our marriages, all those good things that result in trusting God and investing our lives in his kingdom and for his purposes. And, And then he says, and then the real test will come. When God does multiply, what are you going to do with what he gives you? He says, so you always remember, God multiplies the crop. He multiplies the investment so that you have plenty left over. You got you, taking care of you. And the leftover is so that you continue to invest in my kingdom. So when we think through this, the reality is, and it's not always an easy one to accept, is that you get to choose how big of a harvest you get in your life. God doesn't choose that for you. You choose it. You get to choose how much God blesses you. We can't take, we can't blame anyone else. We have to take responsibility for our part in this. And we have to choose to trust God, to invest our lives and the giftings he's given us, and to his kingdom, knowing full well that when we do that, that God will always, always bring a return on your investment. It's not if, it's not maybe, it's he will. It says you will reap, you will reap. You will receive what God has for you. Proverbs 11, 24 in the message says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And smaller. We control the amount of blessing and the amount of har- harvest that we see in our lives. Paul goes on and closes out chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians and he says, Yes, you will be enriched, given more in every way. 
so you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things are going to result from this ministry of giving. The needs of believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. And to me, this is why we do what we do. It's not about us. It's never about you. God says he wants to bless you. He desires to bless you. And you've been blessed to be a blessing. And when you understand that and you get that and you begin to apply these principles to your life, he says that God will give you more. What God can get through you, he'll get to you. That you've seen the faithfulness of God. And you apply these truths. And because of that, one day we're gonna get to heaven and we're gonna reap the rewards of what we invested in people. That people will know Jesus because of what you gave, because of what you did, because you sacrificed your time on a Sunday morning, because you loved on those kids and convictions, and every Sunday you were planting in them, you were investing in them, and someday they're gonna get old and they're gonna follow God, and you're gonna go, I remember Johnny, I remember Susie, I remember what God was doing. Look at the harvest. Because of what I was able to plant, because what I was able to invest, that that lives were changed and we're gonna get to heaven one day and we'll fully understand and fully see the harvest of a life well invested in God's kingdom. It's not if, it's not maybe, you will. You will. And as the band comes and we close out, I wanna encourage you with this today too. That God is looking for people to bless. He is. His will is that none should perish, that all will have an opportunity to know who he is. And the more seed you plant, the more God will give you. Because it is his will. It is his desire. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 2 says, There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to plant and a time to uproot. And today, I know some of you are here, and you've, you've stepped out in faith. It's been awesome to see how many of you have stepped up to the tide challenge that we do. And, and I just want you to know, I've been praying earnestly for you every day. And as we've seen people begin to trust God with their resources, and they're beginning to do that, I've, I've been praying that God will, I know that he will, I know that he's going to bless you. And I, but I want to encourage you with this, is that as you do this, as you step out in faith, and you begin to invest in your marriage, and even though they're not returning in it and you're not seeing the harvest yet, you continue to love, you continue to give, you continue to serve, you continue to, to stay faithful at work, even though they passed you up and gave your promotion that you really did deserve to someone else, you're staying faithful, you're not gossiping, you're honoring the authority that God's placed over you, you're sowing, you're sowing, you're sowing. And I get that. Some of you are like, I'm tired, I've been in the field, I'm ready for the harvest. Listen, you always reap in a different season than you sow. Always. Seed, time, and harvest. That's what the Bible says. There's a time when you plant. There's a time when you harvest. And Paul encourages the church in Galatia in 6, 9. He says, so this is the deal. You will reap what you sow. So sow good things. Invest yourself. Do what you know is right. Be faithful to God. Honor God. Do these things. You keep sowing. Keep your head to the plow. Stay faithful. And he says, so. When you're in that season of, of, of sowing, don't get tired of doing what is right. You do what is right, not because you feel like it. You do what is right because you know it's right. And you know this truth will come to pass in your life. And he says, because at just the right time, not your time, not the time of sowing, 
But there will come a time, if you don't quit, he says, you will reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. That is God's promise to you. He will never fail you. And when you step out in faith and you plant and you sow, he says, this is the way it works. You will reap a harvest. It's not if. You will. The only way that you can disqualify yourself from God's blessing is to quit too soon. So Paul says, don't quit. Never give up. Never quit doing what is right. Because in due season, just like the farmer who plants corn, eventually the corn's going to come up. It will come up. It's the way the world works. It's the way God works. So today I want to encourage you, if you're sowing and you're tired and you're weary, you keep loving those kids. You keep investing in them. Even when you don't understand it, you don't know why, you keep loving them. You keep investing in your spouse. You keep loving them. You keep showing them Jesus. You keep giving faithfully to God's house and his kingdom. You keep planting in faith. Don't dig it up prematurely. The harvest will come. Don't give up. God is for you. He is with you. Be patient. God will always respond to your faithfulness with his faithfulness. This is the way it works. He is not a man that he could be mocked. He is not a man that he will change his mind, that he won't follow through. He is God and he is true to his character and what he says is truth and it will happen in your life. The key to the blessed life is taking responsibility for your life. And you can have all that God wants you to have. It's within your reach if you're willing to sow, if you're willing to be patient and trust God. It's not if, it's when. Amen? Would you stand with me today? I hope this has encouraged you as it did me this week. And we're going to sing a song here as we close out our time together and that just says, uh, I surrender. Because that's the hardest part for us, isn't it? Throughout this whole series, when you think about it, and when you say you surrender to God, what you're saying is, God, you're my source. God, I worry about money. God, I worry about my future. I worry about my kids. I worry about these things. And whenever you worry, it will compel you to hold on to what you're worried about, right? You see, most people, when it comes to giving, don't give because their hope is in their stuff. Their hope is in their wealth. Their hope is in their savings account. And the whole time God's going, I'm the source. Every good thing is from me. I'm your dad. I love you. I got a plan for you. Will you trust me? Will you surrender all to me? Will you give me your heart? It starts with our heart where we go, God, it's all yours. I give it all to you, Lord. I lay it all at your feet. God, I worry about my kids, but they're your kids. You love them more than I do. You got a plan that's far greater than anything I could ever imagine. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. So God, I trust you with my kids. I'll keep sowing. I'll keep investing. I'll keep doing what you called me to do. I surrender all, God. My hope isn't in this world. My hope isn't in my retirement. It's not in the stock market. It's not in the president. It's not in the government. It's in none of those things. God, it's only in you. You are my source. God, we love you. You are worthy of all trust. So we surrender all that we are to you. God, we withhold nothing from you. 
We lay it all at your feet, every area of our life. God, we will surrender all to you. And God, we know what we place in your hands, what we sow in good faith, what we invest in you and your kingdom will always, always, always reap a harvest. So God, we won't quit. We won't give up. We will press on. We will keep our head to the plow withholding nothing from you, giving you all, knowing full well that in due season, we will see the harvest that we've been praying for. In Jesus' name.